Well, good morning, everybody. There's only three of you out there. Good morning. (laughs) Uh, That was my notes. Guys, can I say thank you so much? That was absolutely beautiful. And you you played my favorite song at the moment, Endless Praise, which is the last one. And if you've not heard it, it's Charity Girl. Listen to it, and you'll realize actually how beautifully Becca sang it. So absolutely lovely. Let's bless them. Well done. Amazing. Um, I am... Do you want to grab a seat or... (laughs) I'm going to speak for three hours, so you can have a seat or stand there, whichever. Um, Just before I start, does anyone have a lovely small red Toyota car that is J143429 that's parked in the far left corner? Wonderful. Okay. Sarah, leave it there for now. Um, Where you are is the entrance that we'll need to get onto the field. (laughs) So at least I know whose car it is. And then when we come to uh, uh, doing what we're doing later on, which I'll explain a bit later on, um, I know it's your car. That's great. Wonderful. You got your Bibles, your phones, your iPads. If you want to turn with me to James chapter 1. We're carrying on, uh, ooh, ooh dear, that doesn't look too good, dropping an iPad from a distance is not a great thing, how do I get out of this, I've got, anyone know what I need to do? Okay, right. My iPad has gone. Right, okay. (laughs) That's going to be interesting. Actually, I think I did send them. Um, Anyway, you'll find them. And the Holy Spirit is with us. And, yeah. There's no panic. He's going to speak to us, however, whether it's through these words or... (laughs) Anyone got any glasses? (laughs) Right, I'm going to read the passage. I'm going to pray first. Father, we thank you for the word that you have to us. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you to come speak into our hearts. And I thank you for all that you're going to do now. And in these moments, as we look at your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Right, James chapter 1, verses 12 to 18. Loving God under trials. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he's been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it is full grown brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and perfect gift is from above 
and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. You know, last week we began a series we called Faith in Action. And uh, Santa kicked off with a powerful message urging us to wake up from any spiritual sleepiness, shake off complacency and passivity, to stop making excuses, remind ourselves of who God is and pursue relationship with him, with all that we are, praying with every bit of faith and putting our complete hope in the Lord. And I love what she said. She said, the wisest thing we can ever do in life is live a life of true and unwavering faith. The wisest thing we can do in life is live a life of true and unwavering faith. And it's the wisest thing because faith in Jesus works. It works in the eternal benefit and blessing that comes to us as we seek him in our lives. But it works also in the supernatural presence and power that flows from us. It works as the anchor in the midst of the storm. And it works as the oil that keeps our lamps burning and enables us to see the path ahead. And without this, as James writes a bit later on, our faith is dead. If there is no oil burning in our lamps, our faith is dead. If we do not hold fast in the midst of the storm, James challenges us as the church. And I believe the Holy Spirit is urging us to wake up, to live wisely, and to refuse to settle and to be content with anything less than what God has for us and the plans and purposes that he has for us in this year. And We'll talk about it a bit later on. Nathan is sorting out my notes, so um, I don't know whether I'm speaking these notes or not. But a bit later on, we've got our prayers and decrees. And as you'll see, you know, this sense of urgency and what God is calling us to is reflected in this. <laughs> wow, look at that. That's amazing. I have to preach like this. So. Thank you so much. I will really not drop this one. (laughs) You're amazing. Bless you. Thank you. I can see. Yay. (laughs) Don't know how to work this thing, but I can see. Touch screen. Oh, okay. It's an iPad, of course. Yeah, and it goes up and down. Great. Are you still with me? Yeah. Wonderful. And you know the wisdom that God gives us, as Sam was speaking about last week, is it's like a sat-nav that guides us. A sat-nav that guides us along our journey, that directs our every turn, that protects us, if you like, from the falling rocks and navigates us through the congestion of life. And it ensures we make it to our final destination. And I just as a, as a note, as an aside, I want us to really know the difference between the wisdom of man and the wisdom of God. There really is a difference. They're as opposite as light is today. 
And as building a house on rock is the opposite to building on sand. You see, man's wisdom centers on the, on the things of this earth. Godly wisdom centers on the things of heaven and God's kingdom coming to earth. Man's wisdom comes about by experience and learnt understanding. God's wisdom is a gift that transforms experience and understanding. And it's given to us, as Jesus says in Matthew 13, so that we can know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But it's not given to anyone. In fact, as Jesus continues in that passage, he says, For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken from him. Which tells us of a reality that godly wisdom grows in us, and it abounds in us, but only for those who've received it. But sooner or later, if we rely on our own wisdom, it would just fade away. And that's why the wisest thing we can ever do in life is live a life of true and unwavering faith. True and unwavering faith. And as we do, God gives us wisdom to live our lives. He gives us that gift for every area of our lives, including the trials and temptations that we face And is this what I want us to think about this morning, based on the passage in James? Just so I know we're on the same page, who here has ever faced a trial in life? Just put your hand up. Okay, that's good. Sorry, it's not good that you faced the trial, but it's good that we're on the same page. Okay, who here has ever faced temptation in their life? (laughs) Good. Not good, but good. It's common to us all. You know, the reality is we're all in a constant battle. Trials hit us often when we least expect them to, but they come. Testings challenge us least when we want them to, but they come. And temptations are constantly crouching at the door. And added to this, The enemy, Satan, he knows our weak points and he is out to kill still and destroy the life that God has for you and I. And as James writes here in this passage, it's not a question of if we face trials and temptations, but when and what we do. And I love the way James, right at the beginning of this passage, gives us the good news. Verse 12, blessed is the one who endures temptation, for when he's been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord promised to those who love him. Blessed is the one who endures. In other words, the good news is that these trials and temptations that we all face all the time can be overcome. The good news is that these trials and temptations that we face day by day, we can endure them. And it's not a case of falling into temptation and succumbing to these trials. And there's nothing we can do about it. That would be hopeless. That would be a bit like saying, there is a heaven, but none of us can enter it. 
as we see here, Jesus has promised us the crown of life. And the crown of life is the honor and the glory that he's won for us on the cross, dying and rising again. And the seat that he's prepared for us in the heavenlies, that victory seat. Jesus has promised us the crown of life. Because the crown of life is there for us to receive. And if we receive it, and we receive it rather when we endure. And we endure because God has given us the wisdom to endure through these trials and temptations. And every gift of wisdom that we ask for in verse 17 is a good and a perfect gift that comes from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. I love the fact that God doesn't change. He's promised us the crown of life. We receive it as and when we endure. We endure because God gives us wisdom And every gift of wisdom is good and perfect. And God doesn't change. And he enables us to be victorious in and through it all. And you see, when we think about it, it's actually quite straightforward. When we're tested or tempted or face trials, God gives us an escape route, a rescue plan. His name is Jesus. And his gift is his wisdom by the Holy Spirit to endure to the end. He's given us all that we need to look every temptation in the face and say, just as Jesus did, be gone, for it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Get away, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus showed us how to face temptation, but I want us just to think about this a little bit more. See, Paul writing to the church in Corinth says this. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. See, we all know, if we're being honest, how we're tempted. We all know the things that tempt us. And essentially, all temptation feeds unhealthy and ungodly desires, which in turn distorts God's world and defiles his mission for us here on earth. Be it the temptation to gossip, or to be fearful, or immorality, or false comforts, or idols, or whatever it is, whatever we entertain or look at, all of those things that we know are wrong and not good for us. And in this passage, James makes two things clear. Number one, we are not and we are never tempted by God. We're not tempted by God. Yes, we're tested by God from time to time, just as he did with Abraham and Job and other characters that we see in Scripture. He tests us to prove our character and he tests us so that we grow up and mature in faith. And I know throughout my life there have been numbers of times when God has tested my faith, even with the whole matter of the field these last nine months. The way that he tests us and he proves our character so that we grow up and be mature in our faith. But the Lord never tempts us to do evil. We really need to hear this. And it may help to clarify as well the Lord's prayer that's sometimes cited when we say, lead us not into temptation. 
Actually, the Greek word used for temptation, perazo, it, it has a broad meaning that can mean testing, trials, and temptation. And, ju- and an equally accurate translation of the prayer would be, and lead us not into times of trials. But the point is, God never tempts us. Because as James writes here, he's never tempted by evil and he cannot contradict his nature and who he is. And I think as an aside, if there has been a time in our lives, or there is a time, when we're facing these tests and trials and we feel that we're being tempted to do stuff and we're saying, God, what are you playing at? And it's like we're blaming him. Can I encourage us to repent and ask for his forgiveness? It is not God who tempts us. And James makes that clear. The second thing that he makes clear is that all temptation, big or small, without exception, draws us away from God. And as James goes on to us, entices us to sin by our own desires, and sin happens when that desire is conceived and gives birth. And when it grows to... Uh, when it's fully grown it brings forth death verses 14 to 15 that is why temptations are different to trials and tests you see trials bring us wholeness temptations they leave us empty trials seek to to build us up temptations they, they break us down Trials reveal the goodness of God. Temptations reveal the sinfulness of our hearts. Trials equip us in life and lead us to the crown of life. While temptations, they take things away of who we are and they ultimately lead to death. And into this, James says very bluntly, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. In other words, don't lie to yourselves, don't make excuses, don't justify ungodly thoughts or ways And fall for these temptations as if they do not matter. At the heart of it, James says, don't give in or give up. And as I've been thinking about this for this sermon, and, you know, please hear me. I I don't want to make anyone feel awkward or anything like that. You know, God is in the business of healing and restoring. And I need this for myself as much as you need to hear this for yourselves. But as I've been thinking about this, you know, one of the greatest temptations, I think, as Christian believers, that we are all facing at the moment, is the temptation to give in and to give up too soon. To give in and to give up too soon. To give up, for example, on believing God and his word that he will come through for us at the right time. To give in to the lies of the enemy and the times of testing that we face. That this is just too much for us to endure. And so we're just going to walk away. If you like, walk away from the battlefield and just bury our heads. Or give in to the temptation, whatever it is, big or small, with the view that it doesn't really matter. God is a God of love. It doesn't matter, and there's nothing we can do about it anyway. You know, not true. The story of Joseph is an amazing story. 
And it really speaks into this. You know, from the moment that Joseph had those dreams as a boy, uh, of his brothers bowing down to him and uh, the stars and the, the sheaves of corn, to the moment that he was appointed number two in the kingdom of Egypt. From that, he had to endure enormous trials and temptations. He was thrown into a pit. He was sold as a slave. He gained favor with his master Potiphar. And then he was thrown into prison because he didn't give in to the immoral desires of Potiphar's wife. The inevitability of staying locked up for the rest of his life, which in the wisdom of man and those around him, they would have expected. All of that was just foolishness to the plans of God because throughout that time, God was with him and Joseph stayed close to the Lord. And because of it, he had extraordinary favor. And favor is one of the fruits of godly wisdom. But through all these trials and temptations, Joseph had enduring faith that God will come through, that God will bless him, that God will fulfill the word that is spoken to him all those years ago. The wisest thing Joseph did was to live a life of true and unwavering faith. And the same is the case for us. You know, victories over these trials and temptations do not happen by chance. Let me just say that again. Victories over these trials and temptations, they do not happen by chance. The great man Wigglesworth, David, am I allowed to quote him? That's good, okay. He said this, Great faith is the product of great fights. Great testimonies are the outcome of great tests. And great triumphs can only come out of great trials. Great faith is the product of great fights. Great testimonies are the outcome of great tests. And great triumphs can only come out of great trials. You know, if the Lord is calling us to wake up, to sense the urgency, to press more into his glory, to have a greater prayer life and a greater intimacy with him, to live wisely and to put our faith into action more than we've ever done before, as we believe that he is as a church and as individual, then we have to be more intentional about purity, about holiness, about godliness, about righteousness, right relationship with him in our daily lives. And we have to be more intentional about being victorious in the face of every temptation and ungodly desire that would draw us away from God's presence. We have to be passionate about not giving up or giving in. And let me just finish with this. If you like, just bring this talk to land with the question, well, how do we do this? It's all very well talking about it, but how do we actually do this in practice? I imagine we all know the story of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. Those three temptations that Jesus faced. This was after 40 days of fasting when Jesus was at his weakest physically. And we all know that it's when we're at our weakest that the temptations come along more than any other time. When we're struggling with life at our lowest, 
ebb that these temptations come. Why? Because the enemy knows our weak points. Jesus, for 40 days, had fasted. And at his weakest point, he is tempted. But actually, in the midst of his responses to these three temptations, he gives us three practical keys. And I want to leave these keys with us. In the face of trials and tests and temptations. And you may be going through all three of those at the moment. Or you may be recognizing there are certain habits that are happening that you're tempted with that you need to stop. And you're struggling with that. Or that there's a difficult situation that is in front of you. These are three keys that are practical keys that we can use with every temptation and trial, be it small or big. And the three keys are this. Speaking out the word of God. Holding on to the will of God. Giving our all to worship God. Speaking out the word of God. At his weakest point, Jesus says, it it is written. And he goes on to say, man doesn't live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. It is written. You see, when we speak out the word of God, power is released into the atmosphere right then. But the thing about, for us to speak out the word of God, we've got to know the word of God. And for us to know the word of God, we've got to read the word of God. And for us to read the word of God, we've got to pick up the word of God and read it. And the statistics on Christians who read the word of God is not great at the moment when you look broadly. Let's make sure as a church family, we are an exception to that statistic. That actually all of us read God's word every day. And there are amazing apps that we can turn to. The Bible in a year or whatever it is. Our Bible reading program to get you started reading God's word. It doesn't have to be big chunks. It can be a small chunk. It doesn't have to be old New Testament psalm proverb. It can be New Testament gospel. But let's read the word of God. And you see, when we read God's word, it feeds our souls. And in that moment, we can speak out God's word. It is written. Key number one. When we are tempted, declare God's word. Key number two. Holding on to the will of God. You know, when Jesus was tempted to jump off the high place and the angels would catch him. Of course, he's all powerful. He could have done that. But you see, what the enemy was tempting to do was something that was outside The will of God. And I think it's very subtle in our life, in our life choices, that we can almost justify things that we do that are outside God's word. And we even kind of like manipulate God's word to justify the actions that we do. And I haven't got time to spell that out, but I'm sure you know what I mean. But actually God calls us to a life of obedience. For us to know his will. And when we know his will, that is the very best thing for our lives. But we've got to hold on to the will of God in and through it all. He is faithful. He is good. And every good gift is perfect. Every gift of wisdom enables us to endure. And the third thing is giving our all to worship God. Put on the worship music if you feel tempted. Fill the atmosphere with praise. There's so much that we have at our fingertips. When worship changes the environment and the atmosphere around us. And it makes all the difference. And we can rejoice 
in victory. Three keys. Just say it with me. Speaking out the word of God. Speaking out the word of God. Holding on to the will of God. And giving our all to worship God. You know, for all of us, in different ways, we are tempted. But this takes choice, commitment, and courage. It takes persistence. It takes humility. But it takes true and unwavering faith. And the good news is we don't do this alone. The Father continually gives us good gifts of wisdom. Jesus continually stands with us and stays close to us. The Holy Spirit fills us with his presence and his wisdom. And he strengthens us to endure. And my prayer is for each one of us. Is that as we speak God's word, as we hold on to God's will, as we worship him. We will live that victorious life that Jesus has for each one of us. And we will endure and receive the crown of life. Let's stand together. You know, I realize this is an enormous subject. And I just want to encourage you in your life groups just to really be honest and open with one another. To talk this through. To share, if you like, the practical implications of, if you like, the heart of this message that uh, I've spoken and shared and that this passage on James. But you know, this is not a given. We have to choose. But the good news is God has given us all that we need to endure and to be victorious. And Father, I pray for each one of us right now that that banner of victory the victory that you have won for us on the cross, that crown of life, Lord, would be a banner over each of our lives. That those times, even when we're feeling the weakest, Lord, when uh, the enemy comes to tempt us, or just our own selves, our choices, our own desires, lead us away from your presence. Father, that you would strengthen each one of us to pick up those keys to speak your word, to hold on to your will, and to worship you. And Father, I pray your protection over each one of us, your blessing upon our lives, that we would be, both individually and corporately, a church that is victorious because of your victory that you've won for us. And that we would radiate for you what it is to live like Jesus. And we ask this in his precious name. Amen.